Hello, and welcome to Teacher Tales, a podcast from the spirit of teaching. This is your host, Linda Markley, and I invite you to join me and my guests as we get curious, explore, discover, and learn more about what is really at the heart of teaching. In each episode, we will hear the story of a teacher, what called them to teach, what are their greatest joys and challenges in teaching, what inspires them, and what are their hopes, dreams, and vision for the education of children. We will learn more about the greatest lessons they have taught and also the greatest lessons they have learned. No checklists, no standards, no reports, no paperwork, and no data. Just stories from their hearts to our hearts on a journey to celebrate what really matters in the true spirit of teaching. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Teacher Tales. Today, I have a special guest, Ginger, and she's going to talk to us about a lot of different things in teaching. So, Ginger, you want to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about who you are and what you uh, have done in education? Well, thank you, Linda. I'm happy to be here. And uh, I am a lifelong educator. Uh, I, I've loved teaching, always have. I have taught everything from uh, literally pre-K to graduate school and adults beyond that. I have taught, I think, just about every subject, including PE and drama. <laughs> and, uh, and because, and I, and I think a lot of teachers feel this way, I teach people and, and the subjects that they're interested in are turn out to be the, the subjects matter that I focus on, but I, I just love uh, working with uh, young people and now people of all ages and helping them identify their goals and helping them to accomplish what they want to do. But uh, I, uh, I guess my, my last job with public school system was a coordinator of uh, a large school district for the science. Uh, I also um, have co-founded a nonprofit to promote science education. And uh, my, my current job is working as a science consultant with the, the Lawrence Hall of Science at UC Berkeley uh, for the, uh, a, a, a really uh, highly regarded science program. So uh, that's me. <laughs> Wow, you are dedicated to education, just keeps going and going. And right. that's, that's what we do when we really have a teacher heart like that. I mean, I just mm -hmm. keep doing and being of service. And, and I love that you say that you teach people, mm -hmm. because that's really what we do. And that's kind of the, the message behind Spirit of Teaching is that we are all human beings and we're on this journey together. And if we teach children, they're little human beings too. And they have a lot of needs uh, besides a subject area or, you know, a curriculum map, so to speak, of what, you know, they should be learning. And, and there are a lot of other lessons to be learned besides chapter five, you know, whatever the topic right. is in the, in the book or what that sort of thing. So why did you become a teacher then? I mean, sounds like you're a lifelong learner and you love learning and just growing and helping others learn and grow, but what was the hook that drew you in? I think I was born a teacher uh, from as far back as I can remember. I would round up the neighborhood kids and teach them things or get them organized to do something or other. Um, 
I, I do have, neither of my parents are teachers, but I do have teachers on both sides of the family. Uh, but it's just, I just enjoyed that kind of uh, relationship uh, of working with folks. And I think I always had it in me to, to do it. In third grade, I just, I had a teacher I wasn't as fond of. I usually just worshiped all my teachers, but in third grade, wasn't as fond of that teacher. So I toyed with the idea of being either an astronaut or a poet. <laughs> but then by fourth grade, I had that wonderful teacher again and wanted to be her. And uh, I just always uh, enjoyed uh, encouraging other people and not just children. I, I love children and working with children, but as I've, you know, some of my roles have changed, I've really just enjoyed working with folks of every age that uh, maybe need encouragement or are, are setting a goal for themselves and, and maybe need a little help to get there or just want to get together and communicate and build a relationship around uh, learning. <laughs> so it's just something I love. That's so well put. And I know when we were talking before we started recording, you said that um, you uh, did coaching and encouraging most that you really didn't, you know, stick to a certain subject. And like what you mentioned earlier, you have taught all kinds of things to all different age levels, and you really teach people. And I think that coaching and encouraging piece here again is a, is a, is a key part of the heart of teaching that you're really just coaching other people along. And we're all teachers and, and students throughout life, no matter how old we are uh, or how young we are. So having that mindset and having that, um, that heart of service and being open is, is key. And it's very rewarding and fulfilling. Uh, at least it's been for me. Uh, so, so... So you want to tell us a little bit more about uh, what your role was at the district and, um, you know, what relationship you had with the teachers. And then we're in a particular area, uh, which is, uh, affected your subject area quite a bit. Mm -hmm. And you right. uh, worked with, I'm sure, NASA and the Space Center and that sort of thing. So... Can you just give us a little idea of what that was like and in, in science? Sure. Uh, you know, I think, as you said, every subject is important to enriching someone's life. But uh, I do especially enjoy science because science uh, is really just a search for truth. If you look at what really the whole purpose of science is to understand our natural world and is to find truth and it's a way of thinking that can be applied uh, across all disciplines, but uh, a way of thinking, a way of analyzing evidence. And you can, uh, any, any person can strengthen uh, their own lives and skills uh, by understanding and embracing scientific thinking. Uh, so, so here uh, in our area, I did have an opportunity to work with uh, folks from environmental scientists to space scientists. And there was a lot of interest and support uh, for science. And in, in my role with the district, I was uh, lucky enough to work with some of the greatest students and teachers ever uh, to help uh, encourage those folks and maybe give those teachers permission to teach what they knew inside was the right way 
to teach science. And that is you put your learner first, give them the ownership of the learning and provide uh, wonderful opportunities to experience uh, the world and, and to learn that way and, and to, to own it and, and make it their own, which is why the whole inquiry science was a, a, a big focus. Uh, and there are lots of ways, as, as you know, as a teacher, that you can uh, guide ideas so that the students are, uh, the students are having the ownership, even if you've guided them to asking maybe some questions by creating a certain experience. Can you talk a little bit more about um, inquiry science? And um, I don't know, maybe a little bit more about your nonprofit that you founded and what, what the goal of that is. And I'll share you know, that information through the podcast. And, and so everybody can check that out. I'm sure it's well, a fabulous resource. It is. <laughs> uh, well, I, I co-founded, not by myself. And it's been going now for more than two decades. So we're really, we're really proud of it. It's the, uh, I don't know if I, uh, anyway, it, the, the uh, idea of this nonprofit is to support formal and informal education in our area, science education. And uh, we have uh, several uh, pet projects. One of them is to acknowledge the hard work of some of our outstanding teachers and including uh, acknowledging their families and all the sacrifices that the families make because a, an outstanding teacher usually doesn't just come out by themselves. They're, there's the support of families behind them. And in science, you've also got the uh, family that's willing to have a garage full of junk and willing for you to be uh, gone a lot and uh, that kind of thing. So we have done celebrations of, uh, of those outstanding teachers and their families with a thank you for what they've done. And then also uh, we've uh, provide an event for uh, students on how to uh, ask their own questions and find answers, find the answers. And we bring in uh, local experts to uh, support those students. And then also a, a, a science bowl and some other types of uh, competitions and activities like that. But the goal and some uh, speaker series for uh, the community as well. We try to target uh, science learning at all ages from uh, children to, uh, you know, retirees mm -hmm. to uh, learn about the area and, and what they uh, can do to keep the planet safe, uh, to make wise decisions themselves and so on. That's wonderful. I, I really love too how you talk about recognizing the families and how involved they really are in a teacher's life and all of the extracurricular things outside of the regular work day. And we talked about that a little bit earlier too, um, before we started recording about how we have to do so many things as teachers to promote our programs in order to get the support, the resources. We're always marketing our subjects too, to try to get, you know, you know, a, a place at the table, so to speak, and to be able to provide those opportunities to all the different kids that, you know, math may not be this student's best subject or strength, but maybe science is, or maybe languages is. And so can you talk about that a little bit as 
like with because I think a lot of people are aware of all of the extracurricular things that go on with with the arts like band and music and concerts and you know maybe drama with the plays and rehearsals uh, but science fair and all of the like and how much teachers science teachers have to prepare for lab experiments and the science fairs and the science projects and uh, that's that's a lot that's draining is. that's a lot and and science fair um, there's a good way to do science fairs and a not so good way to do science fairs and if the people out there hearing science fair and groaning and, and hiding their heads that means it hasn't been done right a science fair should be a student who's curious and uh, all students are curious mm -hmm. find something that they're interested in and then give them the time and space to explore that and to find an answer. And, uh, and then as far as marketing for the older students and, uh, and, and now as, as our world has changed a little bit, I'm not sure when, uh, if this will be able to resume, but we would put our science fairs in the local mall so the community could meet these wonderful curious students and see what they had uh, learned and are, we're trying to contribute to the world. And uh, no one who's met, you know, one of these students and talked to them about their projects and their work and their goals for the future and how much the kids cared about trying to make our world better could walk away and not want to support our school system mm -hmm. because they could see these are wonderful students who wanted to learn and, uh, for maximizing their education. So that was pretty much our marketing, I think. It's just let folks see what wonderful students we we had and uh, what they were what they were doing. And it goes back to what we were talking about earlier too, in that we're we're teaching people, we're teaching them. It wasn't just about the science. When they're in the mall and they're standing there and they have to, they learn other things like how do you present yourself? How should you dress? to present yourself in a public place. Clear thinking, how do you communicate? A, a lot of kids, I know some of our top, you know, performing science students at our school, uh, which we had a lot at, at West Shore, they were very introverted. They were very shy. Um, and they had to learn to become a little more extroverted and to be able to share their ideas and also to bring it down to a level where, you know, us people that, don't understand science as much maybe would be able to understand it and be hooked by it and intrigued by it and like you said I love the word curious too because that's that's about that's with every subject and all learning is to right. get them to be curious first so they're learning a lot of other things besides how to do a science project or how well, to make a science board uh, absolutely they have to be able to communicate you can make the greatest discovery ever, but if you haven't communicated to anyone, it's just gonna sit in a drawer or you know, it's, it's not gonna make a difference. So uh, communication skills are you know, extremely important. Mm -hmm. And again, tapping into the passions. I remember working with a student many years ago who I think he had Fs in all his classes. And if he's listening to me, I'm sorry, but, but he knows who he is and he did okay. But, uh, but I got him interested in science fair because the reason he had Fs is he loved to surf. So he would much rather go surf than come to school. And he was an eighth grade student. So got him interested in science fair. And of course, the topic was surfing. 
and there's a lot to learn and you can improve your uh, surfing by understanding more about wave shape and uh, wave frequency and those kinds of things and figuring out which kinds of boards are best. So we ended up doing a, a great project, winning an award in the science fair. And uh, I think, uh, I don't know that it changed his life forever, but it certainly did for that year. And uh, also I think, you know, helped him just personally learn uh, things about his sport that he might not have known before. He knew how to do it and that he was good at, good at it, but I think he learned some ways to make it better. I also know a student who uh, really wanted to be able to run faster and, uh, you know, learned how to apply some physics and to uh, increase that. Uh, she didn't think she could ever increase her stride frequency, but she learned she could increase her stride length and uh, end up uh, improving her running time. So, uh, that is such magic when there are teachers that allow the kids to explore that and make that real world personal connection. I mean, that to me is the essence of good teaching and, you know, setting the student learner up for success because you motivate them with that. And to make that real world application, so many kids come home from school and parents ask them, what'd you learn today? And they're like, nothing, they learn nothing. But I bet that students that, you know, were following what you were trying to show teachers to do with the students uh, didn't come home and say that. They, you know, probably got their whole family involved in the whole thing and the whole process. I know that was the way it was with languages. And the kids would go home and teach their parents Spanish or French, and they would get them involved in the cultural things. And did you know that in this country they do this, or this is how you say the word that, and you know, in, in a certain language or from a certain country. And that's that's the real reward, and that's the real, to me, evidence of effective teaching is when the child comes, you know, and you've got them hooked and they see the value of what you're trying to show them and then they share it with others. And yeah, and that those were perfect examples that you just gave. And that's, that's, those are the little things that teachers work for beyond, you know, it's not about the pay or anything like that. It's about those rewards when we see a little, when we see a human being grow a little and learn a little bit more and become a a better person or a more a person who can function better in the world as a result of it. And I know we talked too earlier before we started recording about something that you said was very successful with science is starting instead of going over the lab, you know, policies or whatever at the beginning of the year, getting the kids right there, starting with, uh, with labs or with uh, uh, an experiment or whatever. You wanna talk about that a little bit and what, what the idea was behind it and the result? Sure, well, um, uh, since we have an audience of educators, uh, folks know how, how people learn. And uh, so often the, the old traditional model of try to cram the book knowledge into their head and then maybe reward them at the end with a field trip or, uh, a chance to do it, a hands-on lab experience or something, uh, that just isn't effective. So uh, I think what, what many of us know is you start with the experience. And I uh, have always encouraged, you take the field trip right off the bat or you do the 
uh, exciting hands-on activity first thing on the first day of school. Uh, and, uh, and it could be something right out of your uh, syllabus that you need to do, but there's a way to, to, to get students curious about, you know, what happened, why did it happen? And, and start right off on the, um, start your school year that way. The students will see, okay, they do have some ownership here. This is not gonna be a, a miserable class. You also enforce all your safety rules. You can, uh, a lot of times, instead of going over your uh, safety poster in a, in a boring way, they're gonna learn those safety rules first thing when you're putting the goggles on them and the gloves or whatever it is they need for that particular activity. And then just get them started off in the year. Uh, then they'll have lingering questions and you can use that activity to address a lot in the uh, following days and weeks uh, just based on that experience. Mm -hmm. So don't use the experience as the reward at the end, uh, get them excited so they have their own questions and use that um, as the springboard for the teaching. I love that. That is, that is experience is the best teacher. We all know that cliche, right. but even now with a lot of what I'm doing with spirit of teaching and my newsletter, I talk, usually talk about an experience because mm -hmm. that as an adult is where I've learned the most is through my experiences. And even in the classroom, you try something with one class and it just didn't work. And so you have that experience and you reflect, you think about it, you try to make some changes and try it again. And so, you know, this whole circular cyclical, this, that's learning. We're never really there. We never really master anything. We have experiences and we learn and grow from those experiences and then take another step and learn and grow a little bit more and just keep going. And, uh, and that's, I think everyone can see that through life that, you know, we never really perfect anything and we're never really mm -hmm. um, masters of anything, especially right off the bat. But it just seems like a little bit of the way that education measures learning and what kids know and are able to do is very opposite of that, that um, it's not very forgiving and it's not, you know, about having an experience because, you know, in, in language classes, I would tell the kids like, you're not going to go to a Spanish speaking country and be asked to fill out a worksheet where you fill in the blank with the correct form of the preterite verb in parentheses you know, or you're not going to go and have a memorized dialogue and find the exact context to be able to use that dialogue. Like I remember one, when I was in junior high, we learned about meatballs in the cafeteria. And it, if they didn't have meatballs for school lunch that day, then I was tongue tied and I didn't know what else to talk about. So those sort of real world application and experiences and recreating them in the classroom are so critical, so critical. And so you do a lot of training with teachers now with that sort of application and trying to help them to follow that path with their students. Exactly. And, uh, and we do it just by, by modeling. And of course, during these days when we're, a lot of our work is being done over Zoom, that did initially present a challenge uh, but it's a challenge I love. To me, teaching is when I'm or actually planning the experience is when I'm in my state of flow. Uh, 
the, the classroom uh, and the time, the time and space we have is kind of like the canvas and the brush. And then the, the human beings that come to it are, are the paints that you can, and, and everyone's different and, and how you have them communicating and, and working together can uh, impact the, the art that is created. But uh, figured out some ways over Zoom so that the teachers could still uh, ask the questions, seek the answers, be creative, communicate. And uh, it's, it's been a lot of fun because all teachers want to be good teachers. I think sometimes folks are not given enough time. And uh, I do think uh, that's one area that we could really improve on is giving teachers enough time to really reflect and to actually apply their art and their craft mm -hmm. uh, and not just, uh, you know, give them 10 minutes and then move them on to the, the next uh, class. Mm -hmm. um, Absolutely. And I just love that a person who is, you know, most known for being a science, you know, resource teacher and everything just used an art metaphor to talk oh. about. And, and so that leads into, um, I mean, it's connecting to what you said earlier about we're teaching all subjects and it's about people. But I wanted to talk a little bit about um, STEM because whenever you talk science or you ever talk, you, know, you talk to somebody about math, and I think that STEM, I know that it's grown into STEAM to try to get the arts in there, and some people can't wrap their heads around that. And uh, so, can you just maybe give us your take on STEM and you know the role it plays in schools and maybe some misconceptions about it? Uh, or some key points about it? Just what would you have to say about any of that? Uh, to me, STEM is just really uh, showing students how to use uh, real world tools to solve problems. And those problems can be solved in the arts as well. Um, but I think uh, so often we have taught, you know, science in one silo, math in another silo, maybe a uh, there was some kind of technology lab down the hall that some kids got to do and never really put it all together to how it was all connected. And uh, I think the reason we had, you know, so many uh, wonderful advancements in our country and the world actually is when those folks got out of their silos and worked together and, and, and identify the problems, solve the problems. And uh, to, to me, that's what STEM is all about. You're, you're using all those pieces and applying it to a, a real world problem or situation and, um, and getting the students excited so that uh, they may identify that, you know, maybe there's a country where there's, there's not enough drinking water so the students can figure out, okay, what can we build that would help them, uh, uh, you know, have enough drinking water for their village or, you know, there's all kinds of different examples or it can be the student in their own community or backyard. Uh, but to me, that's what STEM is all about. And of course, the arts fits right in. Um, you know, that's, and I'm certainly not an expert on his uh, biography, but uh, Steve Jobs, you know, the fact that he'd had the calligraphy class and, and really appreciated uh, beauty. And uh, that's what made Apple <laughs> in a lot of people's minds so wonderful is because he brought that other piece in. Mm -hmm. You might have a, a design to solve a problem, but then you, you want the, the style points as well, and you want it to, to be pleasing to the human. 
So I think that's uh, where a lot of the arts comes in. Mm -hmm. Plus just the uh, technology that, uh, I went to a wonderful uh, art exhibit at MIT where it was, you know, like laser art and light art and all kinds of things using media that I'd never seen used as art before, but it was wonderful. Humans were expressing themselves and it was, uh, you know, wonderful. You know, when I was, uh, we used to do a, like a passport thing at the school and we would tie the languages into all of the other curricular areas. So sometimes it was with famous scientists that were from countries that spoke those languages, or it may have been, uh, you know, some other practices or connections. And, and it was super effective and the, it made the kids think like, oh, I can, I can do, I can still love science or I can still love math or I can be this music person, but I can still also incorporate languages or I can incorporate the math into my art. And those kinds of connections are priceless. I had a student who, and if we don't lead them, leave the little breadcrumbs to get them excited to be curious and make those connections and have those experiences, then um, I think we're not really doing our jobs as teachers. But I had a student who in eighth grade, he said, I love Spanish. I love Spanish. And he would watch Jeopardy every night and listen for all the Spanish questions and everything. He got to high school or he got graduated from high school and his dad had told him he really wanted him to become a lawyer. He went to the University of Florida and he came back after the, I don't know, six weeks or so. And he looked me up and he was like, I don't want to be a lawyer and I want to do something with Spanish. And that's what we explored was what could you do with your Spanish that also is another passion or an interest or a gift that you have. And what he did was he went into uh, you and also what opportunities do you have? UF had a fabulous agriculture, still does, uh, department. And he decided to go study agricultural science and, and then get his you know, major in Spanish as well. And he ended up going down to South America to some of the remote areas in Peru and Ecuador and teaching the indigenous cultures there how to use some science and more modern technology and even crop rotation on the, you know, the terraced mm -hmm. farm that, that had been working for centuries for these indigenous people. But there were also some other modern technologies that he could offer and, and help them to utilize that would help them to grow and stuff. And so he had the best of both worlds. That he that's wonderful. Doing. Yeah. So that's, that's what we, I think, what we want to do with kids is, is show them that it's not just a one, one shot thing. They don't have to pick just one thing. Um, there are going to be multiple opportunities and experiences and they have to have to follow their heart. Right. And, and, and look for all the opportunities to make connections mm -hmm. because, uh, because they're out there and it, it strengthens. Uh, anytime you make a connection, it strengthens both. Mm -hmm. It does. All right. So are you ready at the end? I know you, you know uh -oh. that we do the little, like just fill oh, in no, the, pop quiz. Uh -oh. the pop quiz, <laughs> but there are, it's all, they're all right answers. Okay. There's no wrong answers. So oh, I can't just say true, false. <laughs> no, no, oh, okay. no. 
No, and you can't okay. say you can't say the answers are in section three A T C B E, which the kids text to each oh, other right. now, and so you know, it just makes the whole learning process futile when that happens. But um, anyway, so are you ready? I hope so. Okay. <laughs> so first one, teaching is. Uh, I think teaching is um, the greatest job in the world and in, in the hardest, the hardest and the greatest, I believe. Yep. Yep. I, I would agree with you. I would the hi the highest you. calling, I will say the highest calling. Mm -hmm. I do too. I agree, I agree, I agree. So my advice for a new teacher would be... Um, First, you have to build the relationships with your students. Anything else you might want to do will come later. But if you if you never build the relationships with your students, that'll always be your struggle and you'll never get beyond that. Uh, and then also, it's never about you. Just keep the focus on the students. You know, where are they coming from and how can you get them to where they need to be? What I want the world to know about science is it's a way of thinking and it's a way of uh, seeking truth about our natural world. And, uh, and there are a lot of misconceptions about science too, because things we call facts sometimes do change. And that's because again, of STEM, we uh, create new technologies. You know, once we have a stronger microscope or a stronger telescope or a better way of analyzing um, the genome, then we can learn more. And, but always a real scientist is always looking at the evidence and uh, making uh, the, the best conclusion based on the data and the empirical evidence that they have. Uh, so <laughs> that's a long way to answer a short question, but <laughs> no, but I, I love it. And here again, I think it, it, um, it, it ties into what I've been talking about with the spirit journey and spirit teaching is that we just, we gather data, you know, but we can't listen to all these outside, you know, factors and input and stuff like that. We have to figure things out for ourselves and how it connects to our heart or, what works best for us and we have to make choices and decisions and we have to be curious too because we can't right. just close ourselves off and shut down and say no 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 i'm not going to change and the world has to change or i really love more that i've learned about albert einstein and he had very much that he was very spiritual and very um he and yet two worlds two opposite ends of the world yet look at he's like genius and and very much associated with science and when you learn more about them you realize there's that other side that and they're very complementary and very connected like you said yeah so all right so here's the last one my greatest hope for all children is that they will uh, lead a uh, healthy happy life and accomplish the goals that they set for themselves um, today and in the future. Sometimes folks just focus on their future, but I, I want them to feel safe today and feel uh, good about who they are today and also feel good about setting their own goals and, you know, hopefully get it, the encouragement and support they need to 
accomplish them. Mm -hmm. Like you said earlier, coaching and encouraging, that's your specialty. So that comes through loud and clear. So thank you so much for being a guest today. I loved it. Thank you.